everyone. Welcome to episode 144 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. It's our anniversary, everyone. Our fifth anniversary. I'm so excited. We've been doing this for five years, every other Tuesday together. We've done it 144 times. It's amazing to me. Time has just flown by. It really has. And we're going to take a little walk down memory lane today of those five years before we get into our regular segments. Yes. But first, we want to start off by thanking a new patron. Yeah, Linda. Thank you so much, Linda. We're not saying people's last names, but we have had a biblio adventure with Linda in the past in New York City. That's the hint we're going to give. (laughs) Also, thank you to Robin and Katie for increasing their Patreon donation. You can do that. You can start out at a dollar a month and then you can increase it. You can also decrease it if your finances change. You can also very easily stop your donation. Yeah. That's why we like this platform. It's very user-friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And as a thank you for our fifth anniversary, we also just wanted to quickly name all of our Patreons. So I'm going to do it very quickly. Linda, Chris, Robin, Margaret, Melinda, Linda, Rose, Kate, Barbara, Ruth, Ryan, John, Sarah, Laura, Tina, Joan, Rachel, Wendy, Katie, Julie, Heather, Kathy, Susan, Gail, Sue, Kathleen, Robin, Sue, Sharon, Emily, Carol, Cheryl, Lisa, Karen, Leanne, Helen, Colleen, Lou, Allison, and Deborah. Thank you all so much for being sponsors. We so appreciate it. We we couldn't do it without you. We could not. And we also want to thank folks who have sent us donations directly. Uh, folks sometimes just want to send a check, and we love that. We want to thank Alicia, Anna, Annette, Ellen, James, Jean, Jolene, Joyce, Dwayne, Kate, Mary, Megan, Penny, Sally, Shuli, Tressa, Wendy, and another Wendy. And several of those folks have donated more than once, but we only said their name once. Yes. Thank you all. (laughs) Well, we've been teasing for a long time and working for a long time on a super special fun announcement for our fifth anniversary episode. Yes. And this might be more exciting for us than for you. But the big news is that we have a brand new logo. We're really excited about it. Chris's wife, Laura, designed our first logo. It was so awesome because here we were trying to start out a podcast. We knew we needed a logo. Neither of us knew how to do it. And Laura stepped in. She totally did. And she does a lot of great graphic work and creates her own flyers and posters for her playwriting work. Um, So thank you so much, Laura. We love our first logo. We do. And then when we were were trying to figure out what to do for our fifth year, we thought it'd be nice to have a fresh new look. I'm a huge fan of a Mighty Blazes logo. So I reached out to Jenna Blum and Carolyn Levitt, who were the co-founders of a Mighty Blaze and said, hey, who did your logo design? And it just so happened it was an author, Whitney Scherer, the author of The Age of Light, who we had on on a prior episode. We reached out to Whitney, told her what we were looking for, worked back and forth for months. Yes. And we had told her that we wanted, you know, the color scheme that we wanted, which is what was in our first. It's kind of that sea green blue type color, which we love because we both love the ocean. And then we also wanted a sound wave. Right. And she made a sound wave out of books. Yeah. It's totally cool. 
So when we figure it out, <laughs> we will be <laughs> uploading. So in your podcast browser, you know, be be don't be surprised that, you know, we will have a new look, but we are still the same book cougars. Yes. And we'll be plastering this on social media. So you will see it. I know it's kind of hard and impossible to see something on a podcast, but thankfully we have social media. We do. And we've made really cool bookmarks. And if you're a Patreon sponsor, you'll be getting one. If you'd like one and you donate to the Book Cougars, you can get one too. So big thanks to Whitney for creating this vibrant new logo for us. We love it so much. And we hope you do too. We also want to just do some general thank yous to Linda Johnson, who is our librarian. Who has been on a couple Biblio adventures with us. It's a different Linda than the one Emily mentioned. But Linda, thank you so much. She is our Goodreads librarian who keeps track of all the books we've mentioned on the podcast over on our Goodreads page. And this is over a thousand books at this point. So that's a big job. We also want to thank all of the authors and guests we've had on over the years. And Pat Keough, our sound design engineer. Thank you so much, Pat. And listeners, we'd like to thank you. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, (laughs) thank you so much. We just love knowing that you're out there. You know, we get emails from folks and they just are so heartwarming. It's, It's just lovely to know that we're in your ears talking books. Yeah, and also that there are fellow book lovers out there. Because we are a certain breed. Yeah, you know, like really people who could talk books 24-7. Yeah. Like I think one of the beauties of the internet and podcasting is that we have found each other. Because a lot of people don't have somebody like that in their day-to-day life. Yeah, that's true. And also we want to thank our partners, Laura and Jim, the gentleman caller. Really, they thank you because (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, that we have each other to talk books because they can only do it so much. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. I can't tell you how many times Laura was like, oh, good, you're going with Emily. (laughs) And also, we should thank them because both of them have provided service to the book cougars at certain times in their lives. I think Laura saved a couple recordings. Well, Laura's the one who taught me how to sound edit. Right. So without me knowing that she knew how to do it. I don't know if we could have jumped on this initial idea so quickly. And then yes, she did save me a couple nights at like one in the morning when I was crying because I couldn't figure out how to do something. She came to the rescue. Thank you, Laura. And the gentleman caller came to the rescue one time when we were on vacation and had terrible internet service and literally had to drive around (laughs) like parking outside of Starbucks and hotels looking for service. So, (laughs) and also they've both put up with us being very invested in this. And I don't mean put up in a bad way. They've been supportive and, but it takes a lot of time. It does. Yeah, it does take a lot of time. And we thank them both for sharing us. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And our love of books and our literary life. So, We thought we would take a little walk down memory lane. For you longtime listeners, you know that I really struggle with naming my top books, even of the year when we choose 10 books of the year. And Chris had the brilliant idea a few weeks ago where she said, (laughs) how about if we pick our one singular favorite book of each year that we've been doing this? Now, Emily's eyes didn't twirl in her head as much as they did the first time I had proposed (laughs) naming our favorites because she just is not uh, into that as much. But I think you kind of enjoyed a little bit more. Maybe it's not that much of a task. 
Well, I cheated. So we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So we decided we would start with 2016, which is the year we started the podcast. Yes. And talk about our favorite book of that year. So what'd you choose, Chris? Well, the first book is Shelter by Jung Yun, which I apologize. I often say Yun for her last name, and I apologize for mispronouncing it. I love Shelter. I know we've talked about it a lot. And then I also couldn't help but list another book that I really love that year. And it's one that has stayed on my mind, which is why I'm listing it. It's Homegoing by Yagyasi, which is a book that I, I do. I still think about it. Yeah. It comes into my mind at interesting moments. I just received a copy of that book from a friend because that's a book that I had started reading and then on my Kindle through the library, it got sucked off when Mm -hmm. I was in the middle. So thank you for reminding me of that. I'm going to go back and notice we're already over one book per year. So (laughs) this um, might be a long episode. (laughs) When I was looking at taking this walk down memory lane, I also just wanted to say, I thought about the themes of books that I read because in 2016, I was still in grad school. So when I looked at my list of books, I was reading a lot of books about philanthropy and the nonprofit industry. I was also looking to fall in love. So I read a lot of romance, which I notice I don't do as much anymore now that I'm in love. (laughs) (laughs) But I chose a nonfiction, which was Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes which I started 2016 with, and I it just set a tone for my year because it was her memoir of saying yes to things in her life. So I tried to follow suit. And then in the fiction category, this really surprised me, but this was the book that really stayed with me. It was called Delicious Foods by James Hanaham. I read it with my book group, and it's told from the perspective of cocaine. There are scenes in that book that still haunt me. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember that one. That mu- you must have read that one before we started the podcast. Maybe, maybe, and we started in December of 2016. So. Yeah, because we met in July of 2016. 15. 15. Yeah, because I moved here in June of 15. But we didn't start doing the podcast until that next year. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So we've been friends for six years. Yes, over six years. Wow. Okay. Well, for 2016, I had written a great reading year. Also, lots of DNFs. I mean, I started doing this before 2016, but I used to be the type who had to finish every book I started. There are reading shifts that happened in my brain. And I think one day when I was reading a book and I thought, there are just so many other books I want to be reading. I don't have to finish every book that I start. That was a huge shift for me. And I know people like to finish every book that they start. That's great for them. I don't mean to be poo-pooing that idea at all. But for me, it just really changed my reading life. So I think now I tend to love more books each year because I do DNF them. Right. Yeah. I also wonder if it's a product of turning 50-ish and just realizing life's too short. Move on. Don't feel guilt about it. All of that kind of stuff. Because I used to not only not DNF them, But the very few that I did just would haunt me. Mm -hmm. Now I just put them down and step away. I started it when I was in my 30s. Oh, never mind. Yeah, because that's when I became a bookseller. Before that, I was in graduate school in literature. So I really kind of had to finish everything I started (laughs) because there was professional ethics for me. And then as a bookseller, I think that's when I realized, oh, for one, I don't have to finish this Mm -hmm. because no one's going to ask me about it. 
And then, too, there are just so many books to yeah. get to. You so, definitely see that as a bookseller. So that's a sidebar. But I do know a lot of people, like, when they hit 40, 50 or beyond, there are just too many books. Anyway, my point being, then, when I got to 2017, I was like, another great reading year. And that was the year that I read Pachinko, mm. which I know you read. Mm-hmm. And listeners know we talk a lot about Minjin Lee, more to come. So I look then at my favorite nonfiction of the year, and I had to laugh. It's Stone by Stone, The Magnificent <laughs> History of New England Stone Walls by Robert M. Thorson. This book actually came out in 2002. Emily's laughing because when I was talking about this book to her, I was talking and talking and talking. I swear I must have talked for like 20 minutes, and I could tell Emily was just trying to be interested. <laughs> Or trying to stay interested. <laughs> and then when I was editing that episode later, I just had to laugh because I was just like, oh, Emily's such a good friend. She just <laughs> let me go on and on and on. I never drive past a stone wall and don't think about that, though. <laughs> and we have a lot of stone walls here yeah. in New England. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned a lot, too, from you talking about it, which yeah. I appreciate. Such a good book. And he, you know, he talks about stone walls from so many different angles. So if you're interested at all in stone walls of New England and their history and composition, check that book out. (laughs) Well, in 2017, I wrote down that I too read a lot of nonfiction. I also fell in love with The Gentleman Caller. So that was a big change for me. The nonfiction book that really stuck with me and I still think about scenes from it was called The Fact of a Body, A Murder and a Memoir by Alexandria Marizani Lesnovich. It was so interesting because of the title suggests she wove this true crime story and her story. I'd never read anything like that. I really enjoyed it. And I read a ton of nonfiction that year. So that book really stood out. No cheating. I only did one. Excellent. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll all pay for that later. No, not pay, but we'll we'll all be uh, rewarded later on. (laughs) 2018, I'd written next to this incredible reading year. There were two nonfiction books that were standouts for me that year. The first was Democracy in Chains, The Deep History of the Radical Rights Stealth Plan for America by Nancy McLean. That book came out in 2017. I was blown away by that book. It was compulsively readable and mind-blowing in terms of the strategy that these billionaires have put together to erode American democracy. It's still a very relevant book. As we all know, what's going on currently with the Supreme Court and cases that they're hearing, if you want to understand a little bit more about that, The Erosion of American Democracy, check that book out, Democracy in Chains. Then the other nonfiction book was a healing balm for me, for the nation, for a lot of readers anyway. And that was Becoming by Michelle Obama. I listened to that on audio more than once Mm -hmm. and really enjoyed it. Yeah, such a great book. One of the things I wrote down for 2018 when I was looking through my reading list is that we did the live event at the casino, we read quite a few books for that. And that was super fun. And it was also our summer of little women. So we're going to talk more about that. Yeah, that was at the Mohegan Sun Casino here in Connecticut. I read lots of books related to events was what I noted in my big list. But the book that really stood out was 
surprising to me, which is Girls and Boys by Dennis Kelly. And I listened to this book on audio narrated by Carrie Mulligan, the Mm -hmm. actress. And it made me realize that, and we've talked about this so many times, but the time and the place and the situation in which you read a book can really make it memorable. I listened to this book when I had flown out to Oregon and I was picking up my son's car and driving it down to California and doing a huge road trip with him. And it was this icy, scary, snowy drive. And this story is so compelling. I was squeezing the steering wheel and it was shocking and so good. So very memorable. (laughs) Did you just say one for 2018? Yes. I'm so proud of you. I'm kind of surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So for 2019, I had written, OMG, so many good books. So many good books. I have a big list here, but the standout one for me that year was Ain't Nobody Nobody by Heather Harper Ellett, which I just loved. It's one of those books I took a chance on by a new author, and I just ended up loving it. I can't wait for her next book to come out. Yes, I agree. And I wrote in 2019, we increased our read-along books. I noticed a lot of those on my reading list. And then also books we were reading for author interviews. And her book was one of the ones I noted. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. The book that was memorable for me was a short story collection called Friday Black by Nana Kwane Ajay Brenya. I got to meet him at the Charleston Literary Festival. This book of short stories was so unusually written. The stories were shocking. And getting the chance to hear him read part of one of the stories aloud where he realized that it took place in Charleston and he started laughing hysterically. <laughs> it was a very memorable experience. Yeah, that was powerful. So for 2020, I wrote, I give up too many excellent books. <laughs> so, looking at my list and thinking about what books have stayed in my mind, there are two. The novel is Cher Ami and Major Whittlesey by Kathleen Rooney. That is a book that comes to my mind. I still think, like, how did she do that? How did she make me believe that this pigeon was a real character? Well, she was a real character. She was a real bird. She was a real character. But that she felt so alive to me. And her voice was so strong. Love that novel. It's one I could see reading again pretty soon. And then the nonfiction book was um, Sudden Sea by R.A. Scotty, which is that book about the 1938 hurricane that hit New England. Yeah. 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 The gentleman caller read that when we were on vacation this year and loved it as well. Yeah. Well, I read 95 books and you want me to pick one? (laughs) So we had the same reaction to our 2020 reading. So here's where I really went. It went to hell in a handbasket for me. The memoir that I actually literally think about this book every day is called Our Lady of Perpetual Hunger by Lisa Donovan, a pastry chef. She really blew me away with her writing and also her calling the restaurant industry to task, which needs to be done. I loved that book. And then also A Small Thing to Want, Stories by Shuli Kaywood, which also just made me take a walk down memory lane of Shuli's the person who's been on the podcast the most. She's had books come out every year of the podcast, yes, which has been really lovely. And then the other book is a cookbook. I couldn't get away without talking about a cookbook. 
rage baking, the transformative power of flower fury and women's voices. I was just thinking about this book yesterday as the Supreme Court is debating abortion rights in this country. And what they did with this cookbook was really take political rage and mix it into a cookbook, which I think is brilliant. I own the book and the recipes are ones that I actually cook from quite frequently. There we go. I wow. didn't cheat too badly no, to the didn't. last year. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, it's having good reads is convenient. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always used to keep um, some type of file. Yeah. And I, I've just kind of gone to Goodreads. I've tried to keep a spreadsheet every now and then I try it, but I just don't keep up with it. Yeah. The reading challenge in Goodreads is such a great way to track your reading life. And one of the things that Chris and I talked about when we decided to do this was that we would look at our reading for the year and just really pick a book that stood out. It wasn't necessarily reflecting back on the top tens that we did every year because Sometimes you get to the end of the year and those are the 10 books you think about. But then when years pass, there's one that scenes of it you remember or there's some reason it stands out. Right. And sometimes they bubble up in your subconscious in that way. Yeah. I love that. So that was a super fun exercise. Thank you, Chris. I survived. Yay. Thanks for playing (laughs) along. And we're not sponsored by Goodreads or anything. Oh, no. Um, Just so y'all know that we always will say if we are sponsored by or sponsoring something. Yeah. All right. So we also thought we'd do a little memory lane about some of our favorite read-alongs. Yes. We do quarterly read-alongs now, but when we first started, it was more just kind of as we felt the desire, I think. The first one we did was Michael Ondaatje's The English Patient, because it was a book that we both wanted to read. I think initially some of our first ones were books that have been on our TBRs mutually and that we thought, oh, let's read them together. Right. Yeah. And then we started to formalize things a little bit as we went along. Yeah. And now we have Zoom chats. Oh my God. They're so much fun. (laughs) So much fun. So what do you have on your list, Emily? The one that I put down as the most unusual read and most memorable for me was Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga Tokarczuk. I just loved that book. And I still think about some of the very interesting scenes and pictures she painted. Yes. Yeah, that book is on my list as well. Every time I go to the dentist or somebody (laughs) says they're going to the dentist, I think about that book because there's a scene involving a dentist. Mm -hmm. But yeah, such an unusual book. I really enjoyed that one. It's, It's one that's still on my shelves. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think the book that I have on my list that I wrote next to it because it was the biggest surprise read is True Grit. I was just blown away by that book. I had no idea... It would be so funny or so heartfelt and adventurous with such a kick-ass young woman protagonist. And that's by Charles Portis. Yeah, that was a really good book and a good movie. Yeah, both of the movies were good. Yeah, Yeah, there were two adaptations. And I'm sorry I don't remember the, the actor's name. I should know her name, who played the young woman in the most recent adaptation of that novel. She's also the woman who plays Emily Dickinson on the Apple TV series. It's so cool. Yeah, so cool. Well, the toughest read-along we did, for me, was Celestial Bodies by Joka Alharthi. I enjoyed the story. I just found that the way she wove the story was really confusing. Kind of the back and forth in time and who the characters were, and that I just really struggled. It was also one of those books that talking to the author probably would have been really helpful 
we didn't have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. That book, there's a character who took great pride in the fact that soap had never touched her body. And I often wonder about that. Every time I think of it, I think you should really look that up. Yeah. What is that about? <laughs> and I have not yet. Yeah. So <laughs> Goals. Yeah. <laughs> One of the read-alongs that was tough for me to get through was Morris by E.M. Forster. I had been really looking forward to it. It was just hard to read for me. Yeah. And then the movie was kind of challenging to get through. We watched it together. We were watching it at the gentleman caller's house. I don't know why. I think it was one of the times the power was out in the, in the old recording studio, a.k.a. my old house. Oh, it was painful. Like, yeah. I wanted to forward that movie so bad. No amount of snacks made that movie <laughs> worthwhile. <laughs> I know. And I know this is a beloved book by many. Yes. Um, but yeah. That's okay. I'm glad to have read it. Yes. Well, the one that I'm so thrilled to have read because it was sitting on my TBR shelf for years and I probably wouldn't have just picked it up and forged ahead if we didn't do it as a read-along was Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Loved that book, Timely. I loved that we read it with Jenny from Reading MV. We had a great Zoom discussion about it as well. Yeah, that was a really good one. The audiobook I listened to. Yeah, one. great audiobook. For me, the book, another one, and probably kind of a similar thing, it had been on my list for so long to get to, and I'm so happy to have finally read it, was The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, which is one of those books I always thought, you haven't read that yet? Like, it was always nagging me in the back of my mind. So yeah. I'm so glad to have read that and then read it with you as a joint read and read along with everyone. I agree. I love Steinbeck, and I was glad to have read that too, and to read it where you could have a conversation about it. There are just some books that feel elevated when you get the opportunity to do that, mm -hmm. and I would say that's one of them. Yes. And I have a feeling our last book is going to be Mutual. I think you're right. Yes. It's the one I wrote that was so much fun because it included biblio adventures and all sorts of things. Yeah. Little Women. Summer of Little Women. Yes. It was so much fun. <laughs> Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. We chose this book because of a historic anniversary that was coming up for the book. And we combined it with March by Geraldine Brooks. Yes. Another novel, a fictionalization of the dad from Little Women, Mr. March. It was about his story. Right. And then the other one was by Anne Boyd Rue. Yeah. Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy. The story of little women and why it still matters. And yeah. we got to interview her up at Orchard House in Concord, Mass. Yeah. It was so cool. And that's where Louisa May Alcott wrote Little Women. Yeah. It was just such a special summer to celebrate, to read all of these books. We had a lot of great interactions with listeners. We weren't doing Zoom conversations at that point, but people were definitely reading along and participating on the Goodreads thread, et cetera. Yeah. So. It was really fun to revisit Little Women. I had read it before, but reading it again with a group of people was just so much fun. Yeah. And Biblio adventuring. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was such a fun time. It was. Speaking of Biblio Adventures, we also thought we would do a little recap of those. And I have to say that just a little aside, as I was thinking about this, it made me kind of sad because I miss our Biblio Adventuring life so much. It's really been put on hold due to the pandemic. And I just think we should take a minute to pause and realize like what an impact that has had on our lives. We have really good lives. I don't mean to make it sound like we don't, but... We just really miss going on Biblio adventures together and look forward to getting back at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm going to jump in and start with one of my favorite Biblio adventures that we had been on. And also to give thanks to Ann and Michael of Books on the Nightstand, who are kind of our fairy godparents, who started Booktopia, which originally started at Northshire Bookstore up in Manchester, Vermont. We were at a Booktopia. We didn't officially participate that year because I think we both had things going on and, and couldn't commit to the entire time. But we drove up and spent the night and we attended the final event that's free and open to the public. But then on the way home, we stopped and visited the other Northshire bookstore in New York. And I'm going to interject, it's not really on the way home, but that's just the way we are. <laughs> yes, it was a kind of a swerve west um, to, to go to the store. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the idea for reading Little Women came up because I happened to see it on the shelf and I thought, wow, that's an important anniversary. Maybe we should look at that. Right. So. And I looked at March and said, I've never read this book by Geraldine Brooks. As a matter of fact, I've never read a Geraldine Brooks. And you were like, wow, we could do a whole summer of little women. Yes. And then I think once we started looking into that, then we found Anne Boyd Rue's book. Right. And that just took off. It just kind of all came together. Yeah. And also Booktopias are some of our favorite biblio adventure memories, both the one that we went to before we were the book cougars in 2015, where for people who've heard the origin story <laughs> of how we met, people kept pointing across rooms and telling us that we needed to meet each other because we were both, Chris had just moved to Guilford and I had told some friends that I was in the process of preparing to move there. We never met at that booktopia, which was April of 2015. We both reached out over Facebook, Facebook yeah. and then when I was settled in here, put a little note out to Chris and we met on the Guilford Green for the first time. And it was due to Booktopia that we found each other and became fast bookish friends. Yes. Without Booktopia, the podcast wouldn't be. Yeah. Without Anna and Michael retiring, when they decided to retire, we were very sad and we'd miss them. We understood that they needed to do what they needed to do. But there was a void. And that's why we started this podcast. Right. We didn't know how to do a podcast, just so y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorites was a goal that we set when we first started doing the podcast, which was December 2016. And we we're like, what do we want to be able to accomplish? And we said, we'd love to be able to get into Book Expo with media badges, which means you get to go for free. It's very expensive. It's like $300 or something to yeah. go. And we accomplished that goal in May of 2017. Yeah, that was so much fun to go Yeah, in that capacity. I had been once in the past when it was in Chicago, but to go is media and just experience it and enjoy all of the sessions that were offered and author events and just walking along all the booths and seeing what was coming out was just so much fun. Yeah. And it was also the first time you got to meet Aunt Ellen. Oh my God, I was so nervous because we were going to be staying with her. And I thought, I've never met this woman. You know, she's an aunt, you know, <laughs> those, those could be tricky people sometimes. <laughs> oh my God, I loved her instantly. She's just so warm and inviting. Yeah. And it was so great because we were schlepping back and forth from the Javits Center to her house every day. And it was just so nice to have a place to go and put our feet up and rest. Absolutely. And she was so enthusiastic and asked so yeah. many questions about what our day was like. So it was so much fun then to come home and talk about books and 
get excited about it. And we did some videos that are on our YouTube channel just to share it with people. We couldn't take video on the floor where all the publishers were, but outside in the atrium where all the huge banners were and everything. We tried to do a little video every day to show people so everyone could kind of go on the Biblio adventure with us as much as was possible anyway. I'll put the links to that in the show notes because there are several videos, I think, from the different days we were there. And they're still some of our most watched videos. Yes. So for me, another fun event goes back to our origin story and the Northshire Bookstore. It's that day that we drove up to see Ruth Franklin talk about her new biography on Shirley Jackson, A Rather Haunted Life. I just enjoyed that ride up. I remember it very distinctly. And then the ride back and her event was just so much fun as well. Yeah. And just so people know, that's like a four hour drive. One way. One way. (laughs) So we drove up, Chris did all the driving. I just yammered on and on. And then we got up to the event. Actually, you drove that time. Oh, did I? You did. Oh, that's unusual. Yeah. Okay. I drove (laughs) and yammered apparently. (laughs) And we got up to the event. We did the event for, you know, an hour and a half. We usually went up a little early, browsed some books. You it's have amazing, to browse. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing I love bookstore. the whole bookstore, and they have mm-hmm. great sidelines. But they also have a really good use section yes. that's so well curated. I love that section. I usually get stuck there for quite some time. And then driving home, you know, because now we're on hour eight of talking about books, I turned to Chris and said, we should start a podcast because <laughs> Ann and Michael had just announced that they were sunsetting books on the nightstand. So we did. (laughs) (laughs) And we're 144 episodes later. Oh my gosh. That was a great event. And it was also a good book. I mean, I didn't read it, but you loved it, right? I did. I have a hard copy, but then I listened to it on audio Mm -hmm. and really enjoyed it. Yeah. One of the events that I really loved, there are actually two events, was we got to see Roxanne Gay twice. One of them was at the 92nd Street Y. She's so generous, I remember, with her conversation and her willingness to answer questions from the audience. And then also, we discovered that the author Jacqueline Woodson was sitting right behind us, because Roxane Gay said something about it. So then, you know, we were starstruck in front and behind. (laughs) And then also, we got to see Roxane Gay here, closer to home in New Haven, where she was in conversation with Tressie McMillan Cottom, Saeed Jones, and Therese Mallot, I think is her name. Amazing conversation again, just really fun and generous and always enjoy listening to her. And an aside, I actually had a very odd dream while I was on vacation that I married Roxanne Gay. So <laughs> that's I don't know awesome. what that's all about, but it was a lovely dream. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, Debbie Millman, (laughs) her wife. I've been listening to a lot of Debbie Millman's podcasts, so I don't know. Maybe Mm. I feel like, you know. Maybe you're morphing into Debbie. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I woke up and I called the gentleman callers like, so, (laughs) cheated on you last night. (laughs) Well, I also saw Roxanne Gay a second time in New Haven when she was in conversation with Claudia Rankin. Oh, remember right. that? You were out of town, yeah. I think. I went with two of my book club friends. They had her in this rather large facility, but it was overpacked, standing room only. I remember that. And it was just kind of yeah. like, wow, they yeah. really misjudged mm-hmm. the popularity and desire for students and community members to hear them speak together. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it was in a really small venue, I think you said. Well, it was still large enough that it had a balcony level and everything, but yeah, yeah. standing room only. We yeah. were squished in the back, <laughs> which I'm not complaining about. I kind of miss those days where we would just be in a bookstore or in an event, just sandwiched with people. Yeah, like really like pushed against people. Yeah. You get that feeling sometimes like, wow, I'm so short. Yeah. People could just trample me. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of my favorites was, again, it was a post-Booktopia event when Russell from Ink and Paper blog had come to Guilford to visit, and he stayed with you. We'd gone book shopping in the area, and then after Booktopia, he and our friend Julia, we went to the Emily Dickinson house together and Amherst there. It was just so much fun just to experience the Emily Dickinson house with Julia yes. was so much fun. Really fun. She lives out west, so it's not like she gets out here. Right. She made to, a big effort to come here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, fun little story about Julia. My son was just driving through Montana because we all convened in Michigan for the holiday. And I said, you know, I have a friend in Billings if you need a place to stay. And he was like, really? And I said, yes. And I reached out to, to Julia and she said, I would love to host them. Everyone's vaccinated. My son has a dog and Julia's a dog lover. And I get a picture from Jacob of the front of Julia's house that has a little free library. And he said, Mom, I knew I was in the right place when I saw the little free library. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, which Julia says she gets a lot of traction on that library, which leads me to my next Biblio Adventures. I love searching for little free libraries everywhere we go and taking pictures of them. And I have favorites. If you scroll through our social media, you'll see lots of pictures. But especially when I was in Minnesota, which is known as the land of 10,000 lakes or something like that, it had so many little free libraries, like every block. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I just had one more and and it was um, for the Hashat Book Brunch. Remember we did that? It was the year before the pandemic struck. So we met in person. We went down there and there were a bunch of fellow Booktopians who were also able to come. Linda came from Ohio, which is really fun. Aunt Ellen came. Aunt Ellen came. Um, Jana Jana came from Washington. So yeah, people came from near and far such a good time. The lunch was so much fun to have a conversation with everyone. All of the authors were interesting. We got to see Sally Field. We got to meet her and have a little chat during the signing portion. But then afterwards, out front, we ran into her again. And we all stood around chatting for a while with Sally Field. Like it was just nobody's just like a regular day. Right? Yeah. And then we had dinner that evening with the author, Will Schwabe, who's been on the podcast as well and was a Booktopia author and always generously meets a group of Booktopians when they come in for the Hachette Book Brunch. Yeah, that was such a fun dinner. That was such a fun dinner. And he chose the place. I don't remember the name of it, but it was really tasty. It was delicious. Yeah. yeah. And it was a classic New York restaurant where we were all kind of, again, crammed in like we used to be. <laughs> yes. And then the last one I have is just our library times together. Chris and I used to go pre-pandemic and work at libraries together all the time. We would often do it before an event. So if there was an event at the Savoy Bookshop in Westerly, we would go to the Westerly Library and work for a couple hours beforehand. I so miss library time with you. I do too. I really do. That was so much fun to explore a new library or just spend time in a beautiful library like the Sterling on Yale's campus. And now that I'm in grad school, 
I could really use that time with you to (laughs) sit and focus. Yes, indeed. Well, we're hoping to get back to it. I'm getting my booster shot on Monday. Chris is already boosted. So hopefully we can do some more biblio adventuring soon. Mm -hmm. So walk down memory lane. Wow. Five years. I mean, I can't believe every other Tuesday for five years. I can't. You mean there are not many other things I could think of that I've done so consistently. Yeah. And it's just been fun to have our relationship grow and change and just things that have changed. Like I'm living in a new place. I'm now your neighbor, which is so fun. (laughs) And I have an office where we can have a recording studio, which seems so professional and posh. (laughs) (laughs) It's made our book cougar's life so much better, I think. And I just want to express gratitude for you because... This is my favorite thing that I do. And I'm so thrilled to be able to spend time in the world of literature with you. Oh, same here, Emily. It's not that it's a secret or anything. I've, I think I've talked about before that I'm a recovering alcoholic. And, you know, there were times in my life for a long time when I didn't feel like I had real friends. And moving to Connecticut, I was just like, am I ever going to make friends? So meeting you and becoming such good friends and to have this joint project that we do together. I just love it so much. Me too. Here, here. And to making friends in middle age. Exactly. Such a gift. It does happen. Yeah. I know a lot of people fear middle age and everyone has different circumstances we know, but we want to just say, you know, it does get better and middle age doesn't have to be scary. Yeah. And hopefully it won't be for you. Yes. And join our Book Cougars team of Proud middle-agers. Yes. <laughs> and we know we have youngsters out there listening to, you know, that's okay. Youngsters, and we have elders as well, yes, all ages, right. and a lot of men too. It's mm-hmm. not all just women. So yeah. we welcome the guys as well. Absolutely. So Chris, what are you currently reading? Wow. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> well, I had been listening to I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, and then it got taken away. I was listening to it on Libby. Oh, gotcha. So it became due. But I do have the hardcover, so I'm starting to dip into that. Yeah. I started listening to that as well. I'm on my trip home, but I was on like hour 10, and I wanted to give more brain space to it. So I, too, am reading the book now. And reminder, that's our next read-along, our 19th read-along. We'll be talking about it on the next episode. We still have space in the Zoom conversation, which is December 12th. So please email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to have you join us for that Zoom conversation. It's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Right. And it's not highbrow. We just chat about the book. We'd love to have you. There's also a Goodreads thread where people are chatting about it as well. Check out the show notes for all of that information. I'm also listening to a Louise Penny novel. I have long talked about listening to the book's on audio because the narrator has been praised so mightily. His name is Ralph Kosham. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but I'm listening to Bury Your Dead, which is the one that takes place in Quebec City. And I'm listening to that one in particular because we're going to have a special guest on the next episode, Colleen, who took a mega biblio adventure up to Canada. 
can't wait to talk with her about that. So I wanted to refresh my brain before we talked with her. And he is a fabulous narrator. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Do you know, happen to know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, which number this is in the series? Oh, gosh. You know, I don't know. It might be like eight. Okay. So it's somewhere in the middle. That's Here. okay. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to know. if It's but, somewhere yeah. in the middle. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to Colleen. I followed her trip a little bit, you know, through social media and pictures, but oh, we're going to... Yeah. We're going to have a real conversation with her next week. Yeah, she posted some great pics. I'm also reading Small World by Jonathan Evison. This book comes out on January 11th. It's being called Dickensian, which we have spoken about that in the past. I just started it, and it's one that has multiple points of view. It started at current day where he's an Amtrak conductor, and he's going to take his last ride. He's retiring. Mm-hmm. Then the next part of the book I read was going back in time because he hails from four generations of people who have worked for the railroads. So you can tell already this is going to be epic. I think it's 500 pages. It's getting starred reviews everywhere. And I love Jonathan Evison. So I'm excited to be dipping in. Nice. The other book I'm reading is Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen for my book club. Oh, right so. on. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've read it before, but there are a lot of things that are happening that I don't remember. So it feels fresh. Yeah. Good revisit. Yeah. So what have you just read? Well, I finished Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. This publishes on February 1st. I talked about this on the last episode. It's a debut. I just found out that it's in development as a Hulu series from Harpo, Oprah's production company, Mm -hmm. whatever. So that's pretty cool. I really enjoyed this book. It has a lot of themes of siblings. These are two siblings who were not communicating with each other. And then their mother passes away and leaves them a recording that unearths a lot of their familial history that they were unaware of. It has themes of reinvention, where the mother's telling the story of how She kind of died and was reborn to a new life in her history. It also has themes of regret. There's a lot of swimming in Mm. the book, which I love because part of the story takes place in the Caribbean. So the love of water. But there's also some trigger warnings of there's a story arc of rape in there. I just want to let people know. And the choices that are made when things like that happen to you. And then there's also the theme of cake. Black cake, which is a traditional Caribbean dessert. I really liked it. This is a woman who the author is a journalist, so she definitely has great writing chops, but this is her first novel. Again, that was called Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Nice. Well, yay for her for having her first novel picked up. Yeah, not bad. To be produced that (laughs) way, yeah. I finished The White Ship, Conquest, Anarchy, and the Wrecking of Henry I's Dream. This is by Charles Spencer. And I think last time I misspoke and I said that Henry I's wife gave him the ship as a gift. But no, that was a different ship. I was confusing all of these names that are in the book. (laughs) I really enjoyed this a lot. He packs so much into this book. It's amazing. I wish you guys could see all of her little post-it tabs. Oh, my God. It is post-it rich. And then look at all those index card notes as well. (laughs) Lots of stuff. But the ship that I had been thinking about was Mora. And that was a gift that William the Conqueror's wife gave him. And it was the flagship 
that was used for the Norman conquest of England in 1066. Matilda of Flanders was her name. There's so many Matildas in this book. That's a thing. <laughs> Lots of Henrys as well. I was going to say, I know there's tons of Henrys. Yeah. I didn't know about the Matildas. What happened with the white ship is that it crashed and Henry's sole legitimate male heir was on it. He drowned. This caused mass chaos for England and Normandy. Henry had just united them, and the son, who is going to be the heir, dies. He didn't produce another male heir, even though he married another woman to try and produce one. They didn't have one. After he died, she ended up having seven kids with her second husband, so who knows what was going on there. But when Henry was on his deathbed, he made it known that he wanted his daughter, Matilda, to be his successor. And a lot of his knights and supporters pledged allegiance to this idea of his. But of course, when he died, that is not what happened, which set off this whole period called the Anarchy, which was a civil war, apparently England's most bloody. Although most people know about a different civil war, they consider a different war the civil war that England had. I talked with an English friend, our friend Katia, mm -hmm. and I asked her if she learned about the white ship when she was in school in England, and she said no, she'd never heard of it. So we talked about that, which is something Charles Spencer mentioned in the event I attended, that it used to be very common, but now people don't talk about it that much anymore. A civil war then started between Stephen of Blois, I guess his name was, who was also up for the throne. He took it. And Matilda, the daughter, was actually married to the Holy Roman Emperor Henry V. So she was called Empress Matilda. So these two are fighting for the crown for a couple of years. Spoiler alert, she doesn't win. He does. She never becomes the ruler of England like her dad wanted. Tons of bloodshed, though. Very awful situation. All of these names, it was fascinating. And that's probably one reason I have so many tabs. But what was interesting was that when Matilda was almost there, she was going to get crowned. People started turning against her. Part of the reason was that she was used to a different style of ruling in Germany, the Holy Roman Empire. They were much more cut and dried form of leadership. Whereas in England, it was a little bit more collaborative, maybe a lot more things exchanging hands. So she was eventually overthrown and kicked out. Mm. But it was her son then who eventually became king. But I do want to learn more about the Empress Matilda. And I have a friend, Kate. She's the one who had said she reads all of Charles Spencer's books and loves them. She had a couple reading recommendations for me about Empress Matilda to right learn on. more. So I'm going to stop talking now because I don't want to have another Stonewalls of New England situation <laughs> here. <laughs> but I could go on and on because it's such an engaging story. So the point being that this white ship crashing caused all this anarchy, changed the course of Europe. Yes, it was the ship crash that started that off. But really, I think that it was patriarchy and gender norms that couldn't be overcome that caused all this bloodshed. If people believed that a woman could rule and they followed Henry's wishes, there wouldn't have been such a bloody civil war. The White Ship, Conquest, Anarchy, and the Wrecking of Henry I's Dreams by Charles Spencer. It's available now in hardcover. Right on. 
Well, I just did 2,000 miles of driving. So uh, my next two books were audiobooks. And one of them was called Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. This book is appearing on lots of top tens for the year. It's been on my TBR for a while. So I was thrilled to get a copy right as I was getting in the car. And it kept me company on my entire first leg. It's about, I think, eight hours or something like that. I listened to it on audio narrated by the author. And what happened was Michelle wrote an essay in The New Yorker that went viral that I think was titled Crying in H Mart. It might not have been. It had H Mart in the title. And um, it was about her going to H Mart, which is a Korean um, supermarket, and crying because she had lost her mother. And Michelle is a Korean-American. Her mother was from Korea and had always cooked her delicious Korean food. So Michelle would go there and buy the Korean food snacks that she adored and then try to replicate recipes of things that her mother had cooked for her. But the essay went viral, so she forged ahead and wrote an entire memoir that then explored more of her mother's final year where she had been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and Michelle ended up moving back home. She had been raised in Eugene, Oregon as one of the only Korean kids around and always felt kind of other and could not wait to leave and went to New England for college and then returned home when her mother had received the diagnosis and spent tremendous time with her mother and really cared for her. She weaves in stories of them going to Seoul and visiting her grandmother and her aunts there and staying in this tiny little apartment and eating Korean food. She's also a band member. She's in a band called Japanese Breakfast. So it also explores her artistic life throughout the course of the book. She had jobs working in restaurants and all of that kind of stuff. And then after her mother's passing, her career and her band really take off and she's living an artistic life now. So themes of it are really grief and loss. If you're suffering from grief right now, I think this book would really bring you some solace because she really delves into her loss and her feelings around that and her relationship with her mother and healing some of her feelings about that as well. So the mother-daughter bond is very strong. Cancer, devotion, food. There's tons of Korean food in this book. I was so hungry as I was listening to it. And then also kind of the afterlife of, wow, is her mother looking down on her now? Because her parents, neither of them were super enthusiastic about her getting tattoos and living the life of a band person. And then after her mother dies, lo and behold, her band kind of takes off. I just loved it. It was called Crying in H Mart. I listened to it on audio. It has a super cool cover. People might recognize it if you've been shopping in bookstores. It's like chopsticks holding noodles that make the shape of an H. Yeah, I have seen that one. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm so glad to hear you enjoyed it because I know we've talked in the past, you've mentioned when sometimes an article is really popular and then the person writes a book. It's like, oh, that maybe should have just stayed an article. Yeah. But it sounds like that's not the case here. No, she really did it. She did a great job with it. It's a really good book. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, the other book I read is kind of proving that 2021 is the year that books have gone to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dogs on the Trail, A Year in the Life. 
It's by Blair Braverman and Quince Mountain. Such an adorable book. Mm. I heard about this book first from Honest Dog Books, which is a bookstore up in northern Wisconsin where they live. Blair Braverman, Quince Mountain is her husband, who is, I think, the first openly transgender musher on the Iditarod. But this book is about their dogs. They're sled dog people. They have a team. And the book is full of fantastic photos of the dogs and some people here and there. But mainly the focus is on the dogs. I'm showing Emily some pictures. The structure of the book is that it takes you through a year seasonally of what it's like to be a sled dog team leader. Each dog's personality is talked about a little bit. Some of them are goofy. Some of them are more serious. They'll have a spread with two dogs maybe and little squares of information about that dog. And one thing that I know of being the caretaker of a retired sled dog is that when sled dog has puppies, they tend to name the litter after something, like a group of something, or they'll start all the names with the same letter. And that's a way to keep track of siblings and generations of dogs. Or they'll have a theme, like one of the themes, you'll appreciate this, was beans. <laughs> <laughs> so there's refried and then Hari. And one of the cool things about Hari is that he's blind. He's a blind dog, but he excels in running with the team. Once when the dogs got caught in a whiteout blizzard, he found the trail by smell and led all to safety. Wow. So that's pretty amazing. They also had a, a litter. The theme was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which, <laughs> of course, made me instantly love them. Right. Yeah. So really great book about what it's like to deal with sled dogs throughout each part of the season and where they go. You know, they live in northern Wisconsin. They do train year-round in different ways. They talk about how they start training a yearling very slowly. I really love the book. I'm so happy I got it. It would make a great gift yeah. if you're looking for a holiday gift or a, a birthday gift coming up for the dog lover in your life. They also have some interesting little factoids like, let me show this one to Emily. Here's this picture of these dogs. They're all kind of lined up looking over a ledge, it looks like, or a, a yeah. uh, what do you call a porch, maybe. And they all have mascara around their eyes. Can you see that? Yeah. They're up in Arctic Alaska preparing for a race, and they put mascara on their eyes to help with the light reflection oh, off of the snow. I wonder how they figured that one out. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and when you look at huskies, a lot of them do have darkness around their eyes, like mm -hmm. my dog, Buddy, who is the spoiled pet son of my dog, B, who is the retired sled dog. He has that. Hmm. So really wonderful book, great pictures, great photography. That's Dogs on the Trail, A Year in the Life by Blair Braverman and Quince Mountain. Out now. So I, The Year of the Dog, it just made me think of Woodrow on the Bench by Jenna Blum, who we just had on last episode talking about that wonderful memoir of hers and the last year of her dog's life. Yeah, and that would also make a great gift. You know, I think Blair Braverman has had another book. Is that true? Can yes. You, I thought she, she did, did write a memoir or yes. something. Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube. Yes. Yeah, so I definitely want to read that. And then she has also written for New York Times, Vogue, This American Life. And then Quince has written, too, for the New York Times and 
He's been a survivalist on Disney's Naked and Afraid. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they met in grad school. I, I'm assuming it made it may have been like a writing program since they're both writers. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I also listened to one other book. I usually listen to nonfiction, or I think I said on the last episode that I wanted to listen to something kind of like a, a mystery or something to keep me going on our, you know, 50 million. <laughs> well, my daughter, when we were in Colorado, she had read the book Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. And she loved it. And it was one of those books, we were on vacation, but she couldn't put it down. And then when she finished it, she was like, I didn't want it to end. So I saw that it was available. And I was going up to see Rachel. So I thought it would be so fun to be in the middle of reading this. It's narrated by Isabella Starr LeBlanc, who did a fantastic job. There's a lot of Ojibwe language in it. And it was so cool to have someone reading it to me instead of me trying to read it and figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's a YA novel. It's a chunkster. And my daughter's a school social worker. And she said this when she closed it. She said, it's a YA, but it has really adult themes. And she's right. I mean, it has themes of rape, murder, drug addiction. It was surprising to me. So it's a YA, but definitely for older kids, I would say, you know, high school age kids, for sure. Lots of trigger warnings with this book. One of the overarching themes is violence against Native American women. So um, something that's very of the moment. The author, Angeline Bouli, was the director of the Office of Indian Education during the Obama years which I thought was really interesting. And it took her 10 years to write this book. And it's being produced as a film for Netflix with the Obama's production company. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so super cool. I didn't know any of that when I was reading it. But now that I've read it, I'm like, oh, totally. It's a thriller. It's about a young woman, Donis, who's this badass hockey player, high school student. She's just graduated from high school and is heading off to college. She's supposed to go to the University of Michigan. The book takes place in the Upper Peninsula, Mm -hmm. which was totally cool because I was literally listening to the book as I was driving north from Ohio to Michigan. So it was pretty cool to be heading in the direction of what they were talking about. And um, a tragedy takes place that forces her I mean, not forces really, she made her decision, but to stay in the UP where she was living and raised to be closer to home and closer to family. I don't want to spoil anything about the story, but it's definitely on the edge of your seat sort of book, which was perfect for me as I was driving. And I did make myself not listen. So what I did was I listened on my way from Ohio up to Michigan, then I had five days with my kids there. And I did not listen purposefully, and then got in the car and listened to it on the way home. And it was funny, because my daughter just relocated to Michigan. And she asked me when I was in Ohio to pick up some of her belongings, because she did a very small little car move and left a lot of stuff there. And one of the things she wanted was this book, ironically. <laughs> it's because the author is going to be speaking at an event in Traverse City, and she wanted to be able to bring her book and get it signed there. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Rachel's on a Biblio adventure. I'm so excited. <laughs> so it's called Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bouli. It's a YA novel, but it didn't feel like a YA. Um, I highly recommend it for adults and for older high school age kids. Yeah. 
You know, that makes sense because I have heard that one of the keys to what is YA and what age to rank something at is that it's usually a year or two older than the person reading. So this makes sense that it would be maybe a junior, senior in high school reading about somebody who's going to college. Yeah, you that's know? a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure a librarian could speak more to that. So did you have any Biblio adventures? I did. I had one really cool one. Um, Longtime listeners know I, I did an internship at the Coast Guard Academy Library Special Collections last, last semester, and I volunteered some here and there for them. And I'm writing a research paper that's kind of looking at saltwater damage and collections. So I asked if I could come and look at some books that have saltwater damage. And it was a lot of fun to look at them. Elisa's the archivist there, and she pulled some of the practical navigator books. Sailing people know about these books. The current edition, a lot of people just call it the Bowditch. It's the American Practical Navigator, which is kind of taken off on the English version, which was first published in 1680. It was called the Practical Navigation or an Introduction to that Whole Art by a man named John Seller. He was hydrographer to the king. Hmm. 1680. So I got to touch a book that was from 1680. I mean, these are books that were kept aboard ship because they were helping sailors navigate. So of course, they had some saltwater damage. It was really cool to see them. And then there was a book that kind of morphed from that called Practical Navigator by John Hamilton Moore. And he was from the mid 18th century to late 18th century. So some editions of his as well. And then the American versions, they had a printing from America, from the United States, from 1776. But I think the first Bowditch that was by Nathaniel Bowditch was published in the U.S. in 1802. So it was really fun to see all of these different editions and their owner marks, people with these beautiful handwriting, writing their name in it, and just the different markings and different bindings. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And I was so excited. I was showing Laura a bunch of the pictures that I took. She grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, with a mom and other adults around her who were all history professors. And as they say down there, you can't take a step without something in history having happened there. So I was showing her some of the covers that sailors put on that were sailing material that were then tied in like sails, and some of them are kind of waxed to give them a little bit more water protection. And I'm like, isn't this so cool? Look at this. Isn't that amazing? She's like, yeah, I've seen that before. So (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny. What you think is really cool and old is maybe not so unique, right? but still rare books and a lot of fun. That's so cool. I'm so glad you had that connection to be able to go in there. So do they make you wear white gloves? No. You know, one of the things with white gloves, it's Usually for photographs, things like you don't want to leave a fingerprint on, so maybe also items that are silver. Mm -hmm. But most places don't use white gloves because if you're handling paper, you don't have that tactile sensitivity, so you could actually accidentally tear something or snag something. So if anything is called for with gloves and it's a paper thing, it's usually latex gloves or the non-latex equivalent that's tighter on your fingers 
So did you do that or could you use just your hands? No, we just make sure our hands are clean when we start. Mm -hmm. And then between books, you might want to wash your hands depending on how old and dirty they might be. You open these things very slowly and gently because you never know how much give they have. And this one had tons of mold on the inside. It had that kind of unique cover that I was just telling you about with the string Mm -hmm. keeping it together lots of mold. I was like, oh, is that mold? (laughs) Which I had just read a lot about in my preservation class. Elisa took a picture of it and she sent it to one of her mentors who instantly texted back and said, do not touch that book. So we, she put it in a plastic container to Mm -hmm. isolate it and we went and washed our hands then after having touched that because mold can spread so easily. So we don't use gloves there. And it's one of those things a lot of people see that on TV Because that's the stereotype that you're wearing white gloves. But I think times have changed and it's still used for certain things, but not everything. Yeah. What a fun adventure. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm so grateful to them and letting their collection be open to me in that way. Yeah. Well, I went to Traverse City and explored with my kids. We had a day together there. And the first thing I did was spy a book mural on it, just like a little side street and went running across the street and Rachel indulged me and took my picture with it. Super cool. It just went up this year. It was really beautiful, both historic books like Little Women and new books like The Hate You Give were on it. I have pictures of it on our social media if you're interested to see. And then Rachel wanted me to go to the public library And right in front of the Traverse City Public Library was a very cool little free library. Then she went in because she had two books to pick up. She went and she found books. Her name's Rachel. There were two books, R.A. with her last name. And she picked them up. She's like, Mom, I have no idea. Which happens to me all the time, right? right? I mean, I put something on request at 2 in the morning. And then two weeks later, I'm like, what? (laughs) But she went up to the library and she said, I really don't think I requested these. They were two spy thrillers. That's not Rachel's wheelhouse at all. Well, it turns out there's a Randall that lives in Traverse City with the same last name. So now she knows she has to be very careful when she picks her books up at the library. Randall's going to be surprised when he finds out about that. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) So that was very funny. And then there's two really great bookstores like within blocks of each other, which I thought was really interesting, right on the main drag of town. One was called Brilliant Books, and it's more of like a smaller indie feel, really beautifully laid out, well curated. And then the other is called Horizon Books, which felt a little bit more like a Barnes and Noble. It was just like tall ceilings, two floors, But there was a beautiful quilt display hanging up all along the second floor perimeter. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. And then they had windows that where their sidelines were. And if you look through the window, there was Lake Michigan, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then through email, one of our listeners, Sue, thank you, Sue, emailed because she had listened to episode 143, where I said, I'm going to be in Traverse City. And she said, you must go to Glen Arbor and go to the cottage bookshop, which is in a little log cabin. Well, adorable. Yeah, you don't have to ask me twice for that. (laughs) So I was like, Rachel, we're heading to Glen Arbor. It was a beautiful drive. It's right along the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Historic Seashore, I think it's called. It was a super snowy, freezing cold day. So the town was 
open, but didn't have the same vibe, I'm sure, as it has in the summer when it's a beautiful warm day. But this bookstore is so amazing. Thank you, Sue. We had such a good time. We both bought things. It's a log cabin. They use each of the rooms for really cool things. I particularly liked the room that had journals and cards and I think they had their memoir might have been in that room as well. So really great time. I highly recommend it. Oh, it's such a cute shop. And I had a bit of snow envy too, because you took a picture out front with snow on the ground. Yes, I was wearing my long winter coat. It was cold there last week. And then another listener just yesterday, I think, reached out to let me know about a new bookstore in Ann Arbor. Sadly, I did not get to stop in Ann Arbor for book shopping at all on either of my to and fro's, but I'm going to be going back to Michigan now that my daughter moved there. So I have that one on the list as well. So thank you to listeners. We love it when you reach out and make suggestions about Biblio adventures. I would not have known about Glen Arbor at all. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We'd love it. Tell us where to go. That's right. That's right. And then on the way back, I just stopped for a cup of coffee in Nyack, New York. There's a great restaurant and cafe there I love called the Art Cafe. Wonderful food, wonderful muffins, delicious coffee. And right next door is the Nyack Public Library, which is beautiful. I took a picture of it. It wasn't open which was a drag. It was built in the early 1800s with some Carnegie money. And uh, Chris and I are going to have to go back. Yeah, really beautiful stone facade. Yeah, Yeah. really cute. And Nyack is really cool because it's on the western side of the Tappan Zee Bridge. And it's got this fantastic view of it. It's right on the water. So we need to go make a day of it. There's also, I think it's called Pickwick bookstore there, which also wasn't open because I was there very early, but would love to go do a Biblio adventure there with you soon. Yeah, I would love that. What about upcoming jaunts? I have one. I am desperate to watch Passing on Netflix, which is based on the novel by Nella Larson. It's a novel I read two years ago now, I think, for my book club. It's about two women who are African-American. One of them is living her life passing as a white woman and married to a man who is very racist against blacks. Is a great story. And I just listened to an interview with Rebecca Hall, the actress and now film director, who produced and wrote the screenplay and directed it. And she discovered in her history that her, I think it was her great-grandfather or her grandfather passed as a white person and was black. So it was a project really close to her heart. I'm really looking forward to watching that this coming week. Yeah, I picked up a copy of Passing recently because I want to read the book first. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How about any upcoming reads? I have one that I just heard about and I requested it from the library. It's called Garlic and the Vampire by (laughs) Brie Paulson. This is a middle grade book. And it's supposed to be humorous more than dark, but it's about a little garlic girl 
who is living her life when some vampires move into the neighborhood. So she's trying to figure out what to do. Her best friend is Carrot. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) I thought that would be a fun, uh, you know, fun thing to read post semester. Yes. Chris is almost through with her school (laughs) semester. I have one on my list. I just was um, granted an arc of Jamie Ford's new book, The Many Daughters of Afong Moy. This is not out until next June. I'm sorry, everybody, but you can request it now. You can pre-order it and request it um, for your library. I just read this whole article that said requesting books for your library does really help authors. So really important. I love Jamie Ford. He's most known for his book, The Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, but he has a lot of other backlist books if you want to read something by him before this one comes out. Nice. (laughs) Well, coming up next, we're going to have an interview with two very special people, Laura, my wife. And Aunt Ellen, my Aunt Ellen, but Chris's, um, what do you call it? My surrogate aunt. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. Friend, but also surrogate aunt. Yes. Because I call her Aunt Ellen. But yes, we're going to be talking with them. One of the funniest conversations Emily and I had was when we were sitting down and talking about, okay, so we're going to do this book podcast. What are we going to name it? Yep. We knew we wanted books in the title or reading, something to let people know what we're about. We had so much fun. We had ridiculous names. Like we both brainstormed a list and then we were sharing our list. We have two regrets about that. One, we didn't record the conversation. We laughed so hard. And the second is that we didn't keep our list, like the running list. I remember I some of the names, but... Yeah. Um, One was <laughs> boobs and books, because yes. we're both kind of booby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of glad that one didn't go. Yes. But we wanted to have a conversation with Laura and Ellen about the name because they had very strong feelings when we shared it with them the very first time. Enjoy that conversation. So here we are today with Laura and Aunt Ellen. <laughs> Laura's with us in person here at Book Cougar Studios. And Ellen is zooming in from California. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. We're so happy to have both of you here with us today. You've been here since the beginning of time. <laughs> both of you. Yes, you two were the first to hear what we were doing, what we were up to. And you yeah. also were the first two that we ran our name by. <laughs> so you've both been our main champions from the beginning or our first champions, you know, from the very beginning. But tell us what you thought about the name Book Cougars. Laura, you want to go first? <laughs> Um, I did not like it. We'll just say that. Why not? Tell. Um, I'm not a fan of cougars, of the term cougars at all. I find it offensive personally. And um, I thought you all were, I don't know, I thought there were other better names for you than that. So that was my initial reaction. Okay. Ellen, how about you? I had the exact same reaction. I was like, what? Oh, come on. You don't want to be typecast, which is what I thought that word cougars would do. Because you're not at all like what we think of as a female cougar woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so. either, either in physical appearance or right. mental attitude. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> No, 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 no. You're much better than that. That was the point. And again, it's a stereotype. So I didn't think you wanted to have a label that was a stereotype. Yeah. You convinced me in the end, but. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we thought it was a fun play on the whole idea, book cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. We thought it was a nice way to flip that idea 
and to claim ourselves as middle-aged women, mm-hmm. which we thought was really important because so many women want to deny that they're in middle age or they fear middle age. Right. And I personally just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> we laughed so hard. You know, we our biggest regret is we don't have a recording of our naming session where we were talking about all sorts of different ideas. And when we came across Book Cougars, which we just, I don't even remember how. I don't know either. We were just, after a while, neither one of us liked the brainstorming that we came to the table with. So we were doing in-person brainstorming together, tossing out words. And I, I guess it just came together. And like, we both stopped for a second and then just started cracking up. And it, it just felt like, right. Yeah. And then we looked to see if that name had been taken and it hadn't, which we couldn't believe either. <laughs> so we nabbed it right then, grabbed the domain name, um, and the rest is history. But what I'm curious about is how you both came around. Because I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for you. I think you don't mind the name now. Is that true, Laura? <laughs> well, I would just like to say that I just think it's lovely that Chris has you because you all have a sense of humor that is not mine. And um, I love that you love the name. That's what I'll say. <laughs> but she does walk around the house singing Book Cougar sometimes. So, I do. You know, a little behind the scenes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and Alan, how about you? What made you kind of turn around? I listened to your explanation and the humor behind it. And I agreed that there is humor behind it. And that's something that you bring to the podcast often is a sense of humor. I really felt that it did actually represent you <laughs> in the in the end. Also that I hear when I hear it, I hear more of the word book that that's your identity has really been established around books. So I don't hear the word cougar that much in my brain when I'm listening to you. And it's just the two words now are one word to me. It's not, Mm. they don't stand apart any longer. Interesting. Now I have a question. What happens as you age? Are you still cougars? Do you become panthers? Like what happens? Well, Chris is already referring to them as the geriatric years. So I don't know. That's a really good question. I'll have to ponder that. I know. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, you know, two geriatric women on the hunt. for. (laughs) We'll just hope we can still hunt. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. That's an interesting word to think about, too. Are you still hunting or are you, I don't know, what comes next? Yeah. Good question. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I'm also convinced that if Ellen and Laura had heard some of the other names in the running, <laughs> they would be even more why enthusiastic about this name. Why don't you tell us what the other uh, possibilities were? <laughs> well, I know at one point we had a German and a Jew talk books. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and we thought that sounded a little too political. Yes. <laughs> We also had books and boobs and something around that. Yeah. You know, we also thought that might be going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And then we thought something like literary ladies wouldn't really cut it because I don't like the word lady. Yeah. You know? Neither one of you is a lady. I love you both. You're great gals. <laughs> and actually, that's another regret we have. We both have the original notebooks we've used for the podcast, but we cannot find... What we did was, you know, not together, we came up with a potential list of name ideas, and then we came together and brainstormed. Neither of us can find that original list. Oh, what a shame. I know, it's such a drag, because I know we had other ones, but we didn't have book cougars, as we said. That's one we came up with as we brainstormed together. Right. Yeah, (laughs) that was so much fun. 
Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing that really is wonderful about it is that it stands out. When we were early on, Emily and I, you were, we were in some venue listening at a, a book event and there were some women behind us and they went, oh, she's from the book cougars, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it, it, it sticks. It really sticks. Yeah. It's a memorable name. Yeah. We've mentioned on the podcast that Aunt Ellen hosts us sometimes when we come into town, New York City for book events. Mm -hmm. And when we came to the first book expo, Ellen put us up for a couple of nights and we went to a local restaurant right down the street from her and we were eating dinner and laughing as we often do. And these people sitting right next to us said, you guys have really good radio voices, <laughs> which we thought was hilarious because of course they didn't know we were the book cougars right. doing mm -hmm. our version of radio. So, yes, yeah. right. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know, Aunt Ellen lives in New York City. And then since the pandemic, she's also kind of bi-coastal in California, just so you're not confused about right. me saying she's dialing in from California. And we stay with her in New York. That was so much fun, that first yeah, it was. book expo when I met you. And it was just yes. great to meet you and then chat with you every night about questions you had about our day. And Mm -hmm. And I, that one year, too, we, we watched Gone at the Wind. Remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> As part of our read-along, I think we could yes. take like maybe a, an hour a night. Yeah, because <laughs> we were doing that joint read-along with Jenny from Reading Envy that year, and it just happened to fall around the time we were there for Book Expo. That was and you perfect. hadn't caught up, right? You hadn't right. had a chance to catch up with the movie. Right. Yeah. 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 What were the book? Well, you wanted to watch the movie. Yes. Yeah. So, Wonderful memories. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And Laura, do you have any favorite memories of the book cougars? I don't know that I've done anything with you all as a book cougars other than the book groups, which is amazing. Like you have an amazing. Well, you've been a guest several been, times. Well, yes. Because you're a writer and a playwright. Well, I know that. But I mean, I haven't gone on any, you know. Excursions. Excursions with you two. That's true. But Laura is our behind the scenes tech person. She has helped rescue a few episodes of the podcast, <laughs> and she is also our techie for our Zoom conversations with our read-alongs. And Chris said on the episode that you're going to have listened to by the time you get to this, but Laura hasn't heard <laughs> this, that really she feels like she wouldn't have had the confidence to step into doing a podcast without knowing that Laura had the knowledge of how to you know, edit audio and things like that. Because as we mentioned, neither of us knew anything when we decided to do this. Right. We just like to read books. Right. And talk about books. That was, you know, our knowledge base. Yeah. So thank you, Laura. We'd like to say that publicly because really there were some tears shed on Chris's side that were rescued by Laura. Of yes. course. <laughs> my pleasure. She certainly has rescued me on my own turf. Well, we're so thankful to both of you for supporting us. Really, it has helped us have the confidence to do what we've done and keep the book Cougars going for five years. Congratulations on yeah. five years. Thank yes. you. You guys are amazing. Yes. You've built such a community. I mean, yes. what, I mean, I want to know about that. Like, did you think you would be where you are like five years ago? Do you think you, you would have been where you are now with the community you have and the contacts you have and the authors that you know? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we had vision-wise when we first started it, we just thought we'd start it and have fun and see what happened. Yeah. And I think in a certain way, this, this may sound crazy, but 
I've always just felt like I'm sitting across the table talking to Chris about books. And that's what's made it possible for me. I think if I had put too much other weight on it, I would have been stressed out or lacked the confidence to do it. So it's been a pleasant surprise, the community that we've built. And I'm so proud of that. I mean, Ellen, maybe you can tell listeners about your new friend in California. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I hope she's listening, (laughs) will be listening. Yes, uh, through the last Zoom um, read-along that you had, when we were introducing ourselves, another woman popped up and said that she's living in Berkeley, California, where I am currently living. So through the Book Cougars, we have met in real life, and we take a walk together every Wednesday morning that we can, um, in, in in lovely Berkeley, and it's been wonderful. And we talk books the whole time. We just talk about, <laughs> mostly talk about books. <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. When I meet my new friend for walks, it started out that we, she was going to take me to her neighborhood and we were going to just find little free libraries. So we walked the first few times we met just looking at free libraries and going all around her neighborhood, which is a little different than mine, where I am. So, and they were just not, on every other block. There was a, a cute little free library. And I took little books for my grandson and, you know, didn't, I found, uh, it was one day, uh, right after your podcast, Chris, where you were talking about uh, Dracula, Bren Stokem's Dracula. And there was a copy in the free library. <laughs> nice. And I was like, oh, this is too funny. Um, and, but it was really beat up. And I just, and notes written all over it. But I thought of taking it and sending it to you. <laughs> but I didn't. Um, so, yeah, so that was that's really fun that we've been walking in, and looking at free libraries. That's yeah, so and cool. yesterday, Ellen texted me as soon as they met up, and she had found the, the a cookbook from The Two Fat Ladies. Do you guys yeah. know that show? Which I think is hilarious. And she was like, do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone else who would want it. <laughs> I know. I kind of want yeah. to meet the person who put that in the little free library. Be, be exactly. curious to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yes. so awesome. That's yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and I think that's one of the great legacies, too, from Books on the Nightstand, the podcast that initially is what brought Emily and I together through their Booktopia events and, and that community. Because I know I met people in the Chicago area because of books on the nightstand when they had like local meetups, people would say on, on Goodreads, anybody in Chicago want to meet up? And so like I met Suzanne that way and and some other folks, which is a lot of fun. Right. Because it's so nice to meet people that, you know, are willing to talk endlessly about books. Right. (laughs) And, and, and during the, this is still pandemic. It's not easy to move to a new city and meet people. So that's, you know, an added benefit, a bonus that um, I was able to do that. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) So exciting to hear that. Yeah. 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 And it's great when, you know, you you might have a spouse or a person in your life who's just not that into books. So it's nice to find a friend who will go out to author events and other bookish events with you. And your, you know, long-suffering spouse may not have to help you all the time. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. I want to know if you all have ever thought about doing an episode in the car. Like, isn't that how it all started on the eight-hour drive to Northshire? We tried. We did try. It was during the summer of Little Women. We were recorded in the car, but there was so much background noise Mm. and weirdness. But we were also just using an iPhone. So now that we have our fancier equipment, 
that is mobile, we're going to try that whenever we can go out and do things like that again. Because we did when we went up to um, Shirley Jackson land up in Vermont, Bennington. Mm -hmm. We did some, you know, video recording up there and things like that. But we, do you think a whole episode? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I'm just curious. We have great dreams and desires to do more Biblio adventures. You know, the pandemic has put a little hitch in the gitch on that one. But we have desires to do that and really do more advanced. I don't know if that's the right word, more in-depth Biblio adventures where we go to historic places or meet authors there and talk about books. And I think it'd be super fun to record all of that as it's happening instead of just when we recap it in an episode. Or when we get there. Yeah, Yeah, I'm seeing a used van (laughs) fitted up with all your... (laughs) With book cougars and blazes. Exactly. Exactly. Ooh, we need to get a personal license plate, too, for that. That'd be super fun. Reading on the hunt. Yeah. Yeah, like antique archaeology. Right. Oh, I love it. Maybe we could, like, you know, put foam all around the inside of it and make it really (laughs) acoustically special for on-the-go podcasting. Then you could be like a spy, you know, van that sits right. on the corner in front of bookstores, <laughs> there you watches, go. watching people coming in and out, and seeing what What's they're in coming the bag, out man. with. Yeah. Come into our van, <laughs> talk books with us. You don't offer candy; you offer books. Yeah, that's uh, right. Oh my God! Oh, there's so much more we could do. I mean, that's the truth of it. I think, you know, this is totally a passion project. If we had more time, more energy. We would be prowling around all over doing <laughs> right. bookish things. So yeah, so just wait till the geriatric years. You know, we right. who knows? <laughs> we could do a global tour. Well, then you'll get one of those little like when when I did my show, they had the 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 little bus that came from the local where Terry's mom lives. I can't remember what it's called, but they they all came. All the ladies came on the little bus and they came out, so they from got the to go on a little trip. Community, yeah. So maybe you can have little excursions with people. Now that I would love to do. We talked, talked about, about didn't that. we talk about that once? We yeah. did talk about that idea yeah. once that you would organize real tours um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that people would join you. And people expressed an interest in going with you, yeah. haven't they, in some points? Yeah, and we went with the, Chris and I took a walk down memory lane yesterday and we did go to New York one time, remember, and meet you. And there were a group of us that went from yeah. bookstore to bookstore. And then one of my mm-hmm. favorite parts was picking the restaurant we would eat at as a group. And it was a whole day. It was super fun. So Mm -hmm. I would love Mm -hmm. to do more of that. Mm -hmm. We could go to the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, see a great adaptation or just an original play. But like when we saw My Name is Lucy Barton, Mm -hmm. you know, that was really exciting having read the book and then seeing the adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. So bookstores in the day, a fabulous dinner, and then a great show. It sounds like a piece of heaven to me. (laughs) <laughs> but cougars on the prowl let's yeah. do it <laughs> <laughs> all right you two thank you so much for making time in your oh. days to come talk with us of course thanks for listening to the book cougars with chris wallach and emily fine we'll be back again in two weeks with another episode until then come chat with us on social media if you'd like to become a patreon supporter we would love to have you join our community All of the books that we talked about in this episode are listed in the show notes, which you can find at bookcougars.com. 
Each book will link to our bookshop.org page where your purchase will help support not only the book cougars, but also independent bookstores everywhere. And if you're an audiobook listener, we do have a special offer from Libro.fm. You can find all of this information on our website. Again, that's bookcougars.com. Thanks, everybody. This episode is edited by Pat Keogh Sound Design.